Hi, this is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast. The podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're in the north of England talking to Nick and Becky Duffy about No Place Left Manchester. Out in Preston, which is about an hour, an hour and twenty minutes drive from Manchester, where we're based, and we're training uh, a youth group in, in effect at this church. And there's about twenty people in the room, and they were really kind of hungry and participating all the way through the training. And they'd kind of been used to going out anyway on the streets and blessing the local community in various ways. Uh, but they really seemed to get the gospel. They were they were getting it quite quickly, and uh, we sent them out. And I think they managed to pray. They, they approached about seventy people, prayed for nearly twenty, and got to share the gospel nearly ten times. And had around four. I think it was about four people to follow up with. Uh, and this one particular boy, he was eleven. He got healed during the training. He had like a wrist injury. And when he went out with this older girl, he said to her, I really feel like God's going to do something significant on the last person we speak to. And so as they turn the corner, almost coming back to the church, he meets this old lady who, and they they go up, they tell them that they're out in the community just offering to pray. And could they pray for her? And she was so moved by by that offer. She said to them, I've been praying for the young people of Preston for years and years and years. And yes, you can pray for me. And so they prayed for her and told her what they were doing and showed her the gospel. And, and, and she was like, well, I'm an old lady, you know, but this is just really, I, I believe in Jesus and this is just really, encouraged me so much I'm going to go and tell my friend now what's happened and they came back so excited about that uh, they they did a takeover the next day of the service it's quite a big church in Preston and they were all up there sharing testimonies of what God had done and it was just really powerful to hear stories of young people that even one of them that was suffering from anxiety just a few months before now getting up in front of the whole church and just sharing how they went out on the streets to pray and share the gospel. Uh, so stories like that have just been really encouraging. And we've heard since from the same youth pastor that one of the other young lads that we trained who has like special needs, he asked his school teacher if he could take the, the religious studies lesson at school and she agreed and so he said to his youth pastor so I I got to share the three circles the gospel with my whole school and one of my friends came up afterwards and said I think that's the first time that that God has spoken to me so he was really excited as well and I think it sounds like the the people of the church are now starting to ask questions saying why are we not being trained in this why are our young people going out and doing this we need to be trained too so we're really just praying and and hoping that we can get a second touch of training there and 
that some of these young people will help to lead that training with us uh, as part of like the three touch cycle that we're doing. So, so Nick, how did you and Becky get caught up in all this uh, multiplication stuff? Yeah, well, I was uh, one of the leaders of uh, a church in Manchester uh, called Ivy. And Ivy, as a church, had four, I think at that point, other churches around the city. And I was leading one of those church communities. And our senior leader, Anthony Delaney, he came back from, I think, Africa with a book saying, everyone on the staff team has to read this book. And it was your book. (laughs) Just do a little plug for your book now. (laughs) It was Movements That Changed the World. And I read that book and I think I read it in two or three days. I was just, I was gripped and I was convicted that if God could do that and he's doing that in the world today, then why is he not doing it here? And he's able to do it here and he wants to do that here. And so I Googled you straight after and I saw that you were doing a training almost like a stone's throw from where I used to grow up in Manchester. You didn't even and know so, we were in England then, did you? We'd come I didn't even know that you were based in England at that point. And so I, I, I think we grabbed about eight people, six or eight people from the church, and, and we came down to that training. And even on the training when we, when we left the building, just seeing that we could pray for people in England was huge. And then hearing that we can actually share Christ people were open to hearing about Christ on the street. Like just just having been met was just a huge kind of paradigm shift for me. And, and even, you know, we, we met a young man called Wes and he was open to hearing more. And I, I connected with you a bit more, Steve, at that time, didn't we? And you were just really coaching me through what to do with him because everything in my paradigm at that point was to invite him into my church or into my small group. And, you know, there's, that's okay, but it kind of can stop the process of him being able to reach his world. And so just... I I remember that day we we went out together out onto the streets. I, I don't remember doing a lot except watching you all of a sudden take off across the road and make a beeline for this guy in a hoodie. And, uh, <laughs> and that was Wes, and he was fresh out of prison, I think. Yeah. Um, and He, he uh, burst into tears after the yeah. prayer, didn't he? Do you remember? Yeah. It was just a real God encounter for him and, and for us. Like, God really moved. And mm. I think that really changed me. Changed me. I, I, I came home and said to Becky, my wife, we've got to do this. And it was then when we came down to Leicester, I think a few months later, with quite a lot of other people, we met Troy Cooper and uh, others. And I think Malachi, his son, trained us in the three circles. Mm-hmm. And just seeing the response in Leicester as we went door to door, God, in that week even, just convicted me. I, I went into it probably with a bad attitude of, hey, we're just like Jehovah's Witnesses here. Mm-hmm. Not realizing that we come with a different spirit and with a different gospel and uh, just seeing that as 
homes opened up like ladies i was with a, one lady from the church in leicester who was terrified mm. she didn't speak on the way out and then she interrupted this man on a phone call after knocking on his door and i thought oh here we go he's going to give us like a piece of his mind and she offered to pray for him she prayed for him and he stepped down off the steps and gave her a big hug mm. And then the next house over, she got invited in and she got to pray with this other man. And it was just like God was activating her. And she said, Nick, I've prayed for people in my church for years, but I've never prayed with someone far from God. And she was so full of joy. It was just like Luke 10 when the disciples returned with joy. And really, we started to see from that point that we've been believing a lie, that the harvest is few and the workers are plenty when actually it's the other way around. The harvest is plenty and the workers are few. And so that when we started to, when we really believed that and saw that, it changed, it changed everything for us, really. We started to realize our disobedience to the Great Commission, our lack of understanding on what a disciple is and, and what they do. And so we were really, it was really a time of being shaken. Uh, we, we said to our church, hey, we think we've been leading you into disobedience because we've been disobedient. And so we don't want that. <laughs> so we went on a journey with the church as well. And you came and did some training with us and, yeah, it was a it was a real time when everything was being shaken. Yet we were just seeing from God's word and seeing from our encounters out in the harvest that this is what we've been called to do, and this is what we've not been doing. Tell us a bit bit about Manchester. I'm thinking, especially where you're you're based in Moss Side. So, what what's the neighbourhood like? It's really diverse i mean you could you could walk out into the streets of moss side and within an hour you could speak to 15 20 different nations easily we have uh, russians we have uh, pakistanis we have indians we have somalians uh, west indians it's a real melting pot of people it's like the the nations are here and uh Historically, that has presented some problems uh, that don't seem to be there anymore. But there's, we walk around our community and people have, have never heard the gospel before. Uh, and yet in, in the community of Moss Side, there are probably four or five churches that would be proclaiming the gospel every week. And yet there is... There's 18,000 people in this this community, which is one of like 287 in Greater Manchester. And yeah, I just uh, we always kind of ask ourselves how many people are going to hear the gospel this week in Moss Side. So it's diverse. There's life, you know. There's 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 problems as well, but the area has changed. Uh, certainly since 30 years ago. But Manchester as a whole is is really quite diverse. I mean, 
we found out that there are at least 153 spoken languages here. And there was a report done that said it's one of the most linguistically diverse places in Western Europe. So we, we really believe that God's brought the nations here for a reason and uh, to see them reached with the gospel and maybe even uh, relaunched back into the, 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 the nations uh, to see them become uh, missionaries to, to their own people. So, yeah, it's a great place, very young city and lots going on. Uh, and it's our home. So um, what's it been like to get out amongst the people of Moss Side and around Manchester? I think one thing that we're learning is that if you want to understand your culture and the culture around you, share the gospel a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's only through when we share the gospel that we see where it where the I guess Tim Keller talks about the defeat of beliefs you know and we start to hear from you know our Muslim neighbours and where they stand on on certain issues and I think that kind of it it forces you to to uh, to learn and to to be able to share in in such a way that is going to connect with the people that you're you're speaking to so when we share the gospel now with a muslim it it's the same gospel but it, we use different language uh in order to to connect uh, so we're just learning that as we encounter different we share the gospel and learn from the culture through how they respond to the gospel so can you think of an example of when you've seen that played out just in sharing with a Muslim or someone else in, in the community? So yesterday we were doing a follow-up somewhere, well, in Longsight after meeting a man on the street uh, not far from the university and we shared with him about we we use the uh, we still use the three circles, but we talk about Adam and Eve or Hawa, and we talk about Korban, the idea of sacrifice, and we kind of go through the the prophets briefly and talk about this idea of of Korban, a sacrifice for sin, and then so we're building a picture for them of of you know the the need for a sacrifice to atone to, to, for our sin. And then we, we introduce Isa. Uh, we, we say Isa instead of Jesus because that's the name of, of Jesus in, uh, in Islam, in Arabic. So we, we, we build that picture through the prophets and then we, we share the, the, the scripture where the prophet John, Yahya, says of, of Jesus, he is a lamb of Allah, a lamb of God who has come to take away the sin of the whole world. So we introduce the, the, the fact that Jesus is a, the final sacrifice for the sin of mankind. And uh, that, that kind of is far more effective than 
us just talking about sin and brokenness and going straight into you know the, the usual typical way that we'd share with a, a white British person and uh, you know yesterday we we shared it uh, with a man who we found after looking for somebody else we we'd shared the about the the sacrifice of Jesus with a Muslim man and he invited us to his home and his English wasn't great and I think we misheard maybe his address but we went anyway and we knocked we ended up knocking on four different houses each with the number six because we knew he lived at number six somewhere in this neighborhood and we knocked at the final door and uh, a Muslim lady answered and said, oh no, my husband is not called that. Uh, maybe you should try next door, number eight. Well, we know he doesn't live at number eight, but we may as well just knock on anyway because she said, there are lots of people coming and going next door. Maybe he will know. So we knock on the door and we just reverted back to what we would do and we knock on the door and we said, hey, my name's Nick. This is my friend Andrew and we're just... Uh, knocking on the doors in our community to pray for people and and love people. Could we pray for you? And he didn't really understand much in the way of prayer. So we said to him, he thought we we wanted to go to his mosque. So we said, has anyone ever shared the gospel with you? And he said, no. And I think he could see that we were called, so he invited us in. Mm -hmm. So in we go, and he starts preparing us tea, and these incredibly sweet, like, treats. <laughs> and uh, we get to share the gospel with him. And he was listening intently. And then he'd go back into his Quran and he'd grab his Quran and he'd, he'd intently, but the, he was a very passionate man. And then by the end of it, he said, okay, I, I want to speak about this again. So you come back to my house on Thursday. We will eat together. And then I will take you to my mosque. And it they speak, they speak in English better there. So you can come and speak there. So we're just seeing that as we faithfully share, God is working. And he's opening doors and he's leading us to people and places that we never thought we could get to. <laughs> so, yeah. So, we, so tell us, uh, you, you've transitioned out of uh, uh, pastoring a congregation and I think that the, the church has sort of released you and supporting you to... to take on the whole of Manchester. So just tell us a bit about that. What What's the vision that God's given you for Manchester? Really, we'd love to see a reproducing disciple or church in each of the 287 wards in Greater Manchester. And we'd love to see no place left in each of those places. A team formed either from a church or from the harvest who are going to get the gospel to every person in that place. 
And so we're we're laboring to that end and we're we know that this is not something that we can do alone. It's something that God wants to do through his people, the church. And so we're looking to serve the local church and to serve those who are really broken for the lost, who have a God-sized vision for their area or you know place where they are, and are being willing to to be trained and and take the gospel to people. So we, we we're training at the moment with a number of local churches in Manchester, and we're in talks with others. And I think that's just that's been the most exciting thing, really. The just seeing the gospel multiplying in the city you know i think there's about 50 people that are now out weekly in the city sharing and even hearing of others from other networks and places that are taking the gospel out so you know just like the the uh, disciples were accused of filling jerusalem with this teaching i'd love just to see manchester being filled with the gospel like almost like one day we might, some people might come up to us that we don't know and say, Hey, has anyone ever shared the gospel with you? And they, they pray for us and, you know, we hear what they have to say. And I just think people, people in here in Manchester have never heard it with, we're almost so post Christian that we're pre-Christian again. And it's really time. And I think God's at work in stirring up the church to, into obedience and into their identity to be witnesses and ambassadors. So yeah, that's what we'd love to see. Right. And where does the whole, you've, you've just started a residency. Is it, is that just tell us a bit about what that is and how it fits into the plan. So the residency is uh, a gathering for, leaders really and people that are out in the harvest regularly and it really it's a, it's a chance for them to uh, learn from Jesus and from the the things that he did in in his word and also it's a chance for them to we want them to become church planters and missionaries even so it's a it's a chance for for them to to see God's heart, to capture a vision for their place or for a people group and be equipped and mobilized to be sent to those people. Uh, so we have about 12 in the residency uh, and all of those are in the harvest every week. They are. We're, we're gathering together in our time as the residency where we we go through the commands of Christ using the three-thirds discipleship format. And I think for us that's been huge because prior to the residency, the, the team was, was quite organic. They had quite a lot of other commitments with the church and, and everything else. And it, it just seems like the residency has solidified a no-place-left team for Manchester whilst at the same time with those leaders raising them up they're just growing so much and 
I think eight out of the 12 now have some kind of discipleship relationship or group uh, out in the harvest. So we're really praying and believing that we'll see churches out of that residency. And it's really exciting that some of the homes that are being opened up that our the, the guys from the residency are now in. Uh, there's a Jamaican home. There's a Romanian home. Uh, there's a, a home with a, a British family as well that they're consistently being able to go into and, and share with, and they've seen faith, like people turn and believe in those homes. So I think it's been huge for us to solidify the team and to see the team and the leaders on the team get lifted up. They're giving at least six hours a week. So two hours in the harvest, two hours in the residency, and two hours uh, for training or coaching or you know any follow-ups that we will kind of go to them with as well. So it's, it's usually a six, seven-hour commitment uh they they we're reading through the new testament so there's weekly reading that we're you know giving to everyone in that as well so that we're we're in the word we're learning from what jesus did what the disciples did and at the same time they're out it's really a practical like uh training uh program for church planters so it's not just theory. They're out in the in the harvest. They're in the homes, and they're putting into practice what they're doing on a on, a, on the time that we gather. Uh, a guy from my daughter's school who one day I felt God say, "You need to speak to that man." So I spoke to him, and it turns out that he is a believer and is from India and has a heart to go to India and plant a church. And so we we took him out into the harvest one one week and I've heard since that every week now he's out with another friend from his church. We trained him in the four on one and he's trained others in that already. And so it wasn't really the right time for him to commit to the residency because of uh, another commitment he'd got with his church. But I could see him and others like him yeah definitely coming into the next wave of of the residency program so, so um at the end of last year nick and the team went to um leicester i think for training i wasn't part of that because our baby was only two months old so i missed that one but um there was a couple there um brandon and julia is that right i think i don't know if you know them yeah um and I think she told the story about um, school mums and her starting a Bible study with school mums. So she just invited them to her home to do a study and people were becoming Christians through it. Um, so Nick told me that when we came home. Uh, the two-month-old baby is like, oh, you should do that, Becky. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> I waited a bit. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, there's another another uh, woman, uh, another mum at school who's a Christian as well. So I met up with her um, and asked her if she'd like to do it together because it just it's just good to do things together. Mm. Um, and she was really up for it. 
So we decided to start inviting just all the mums that we'd normally say hi to or have a little bit of conversation with, like even the ones that we didn't, we've not really had a conversation with, but we'll just say hi to. Um, we've had people come from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's only a small, a small number at the moment and it's been different people every time. But I just want to keep doing it and get something established. And uh, one of the mums who comes is a Catholic. And she said that they used to do mums Bible studies um, just on the street next to us. This is like a couple of years ago. So all the mums used to walk down the street together and go to this Bible study. So that has just given me a bit of vision for it, really. Um, that that's what God, God has done before and he'll do it again. Um and then, so there's another mum that came and we did the story of the paralyzed man. And um, at the end, we said, who, who can you share this with? And she said, I'd like to share it with my husband. So she went home and shared it with her husband and six others as well. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> um, so that was really exciting. And we got to go around to her house and pray with her and her husband as well. And um, Nick came to do that and share the gospel with them. They're just on the next street to us. And then um, another mum who's also been coming, she shared about having um, like a presence in her home, like evil spirits in her home. Mm-hmm. She felt like her home wasn't her own. Um, so we offered to go around and pray in her house. And so we went around with the team, there's like four of us that went and we prayed in every room. And um, took communion and and worshipped as well, and um, and then we left. And so every night she'd not been able to sleep, and her little girl hadn't been able to sleep, and they'd been having nightmares. And um, the next day they weren't at school in the morning. Um, so I sent her a text saying, "Is everything okay?" And she said, "Oh, we slept through our alarm. We slept that well." <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so they've been sleeping well. Around the room, what uh, what sort of nationalities or ethnic backgrounds are they? Uh, Russian, Indian. Yeah, two. Yeah, two Indians, and the the mum that I'm doing it with is also an Indian, and then the other one, Russian. Yeah. So, what are the brutal facts for Manchester? Really, there's there was a study done that showed that in 1989 there were 225,000 Christians here. And by 2001, that figure had dropped to 115,000, I think. And in that time, we'd planted, I think, 66 more churches. So we're seeing an increase in the number of churches started, but in terms of those people far from God, we're seeing that increase too. And the number of people far from God is probably about 2.6 million out of a population in Greater Manchester of 2.7 million. So these are people that face, like in eternity, hell, apart from God. And so that knowing that the Father's heart is that none of them should perish, that he wants all to come to repentance. Just we really feel compelled by love to to get the gospel to them and uh, to train others to do likewise. So yeah, it's it's 
it's quite, it can feel quite overwhelming at times. But we know that, yeah, we we just know the heart of the Father and we know how much he, he loves people far more than we do. And he's he is pursuing people and we we want to position ourselves and help the church to be positioned to to share the gospel to make disciples and to form new churches